Luke chapter 8. So thankful for God's word as usual. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad we have our, we've got a copy of it. I'm glad it's in English. Uh, I'm glad we got the whole thing. We're not missing anything. We don't have anything extra. We've got God's word uh, that he breathed and uh, he preserved it all the way to what we're looking at right now. And I'm thankful for that. That's a blessing. You know, uh, there are there are religions where they uh, they're not sure what they're looking at and they uh, they have to revise it and everything else. I'm glad we don't have to do that. Now, the devil wants to do that. He'll he'll revise this thing as many times as he can to get uh, to get the this to make it to where nothing's that was true is still true anymore, but that's a different story. But I'm glad uh, that we've got the very word of God in front of us. And what's amazing, what amazes me is this is the whole thing. This is it. You know, this is this is enough for not only our whole life, but for the rest, for eternity. This is enough right here. And I say thank God for that. Uh, but we're going to start Luke. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. I would like to also say we have a Bible from 1885. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And I know that's as old as I can do. Yeah. That's how long he's kept this word. Yeah. Amen. 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 That's true. It is it is preserved. That's it. And uh and, and we've got it. We've so we're we're without excuse, but we we are blessed by it. So Luke chapter eight, verse one. We're going to look at just the first three verses, and this will be the first stop. We're going to make a couple more stops in the Word. Uh, I want to put something together uh, tonight, if the Lord allows. So Luke uh, chapter 8, verse 1, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for its truth. And Lord, I'm glad that we uh, are still standing on the same words as uh, as Brother Ryan said. This is, it has not changed in hundreds of years. We're thankful for that. Lord, I pray uh, that you would help us tonight to dig into it. Uh, and Lord, that uh, uh, that we would see the truth. Lord, touch our hearts. Uh, Lord, help us to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. amen. So uh, Jesus, uh, so this is Jesus's earthly ministry we're talking about. And a lot of times when you think about it, we know that the disciples followed Jesus around. We always, we know that that's something that we, because they're always there. He's turning to them. He's talking to them. He's asking them questions and things like that. But what we don't always think about is there was also a group of women that followed around as well. And that's what we see. Uh, Luke tells us this in the beginning of chapter eight, and they ministered to Jesus and to the group. Uh, and it was a blessing. And verse two sp- explains that these women, uh, they they had all been healed of evil spirits and, in, and infirmities. So, uh, and then we've got Mary Magdalene that's specifically named, uh, uh, one of the few of them that are specifically named in the group. And it says, out of whom went seven devils. Uh, so Jesus cast them out. We know that. 
Uh, so you think about this group of women. They had received great healing from Jesus. Uh, uh, great. Uh, they had been in bondage, many of them, and they were released from that. And in turn, in return, they dedicated their lives to Jesus. They followed him around. They ministered to him uh, and the disciples, whatever they needed. Uh, that's what they were there to provide. Uh, and, and here's the thing. And I, I've said it many times. The devil wants us to focus on what it what we're giving up if we dedicate our life to Christ. He's trying to focus on uh, what would we have to give up. And these women would have had to give things up to travel around with Jesus and his disciples. Because there in verse 1 it says he went throughout every city and village. And we know uh, he can pass a great area, you know, from the north uh, down into the south. A great uh, distance that they he traveled and, and went all around in different areas. Uh, uh, not just in the Jerusalem area, but all over uh, Galilee and everything else. So the devil wants us to focus on that. But what he doesn't want us to think about is they would have had a front row seat as well. You know, we think of the disciples. They're there to watch the miracles, to hear the teaching, uh, to be right there, right? As Jesus is doing all of these things, opening the blinded eye. But this group of women that ministered unto them would have seen them all too. They would have been right there hearing, uh, watching the miracles, hearing the teaching. They would have ate of the bread and the fish and the feeding of the multitudes uh, and they would have been closer than uh, to Jesus so uh, the disciples were the closest to Jesus they would have been the next closest group than anyone else and you know some would say now wait a second well the reason they were dedicated to Jesus is because they had had those infirmities they had had those evil spirits they had had all those things uh, healed and fixed and restored uh, you know so maybe they didn't have much of a life before Jesus that would be you know, one of the excuses people would say today and that's why they have dedicated their lives to them because uh, once once Jesus touched them then they, they kind of got a life that they didn't have but you know if we're all honest with ourselves we were all dead in our trespasses and sins maybe we didn't have a physical ailment uh, that kept us from doing things but we were all in bondage to the devil uh, the, the bible says that men love darkness rather than night light and we had no idea that we were an enemy of god and we were a friend of the devil uh, we didn't even know it we were living in his deception uh, praise god until the glorious light of the gospel of jesus christ shone in all that darkness and turned the light on and, and the Holy Spirit touched our hearts, convicted us and we realized that there was a difference. We realized that we were sinners and uh, Jesus came to save them uh, and we called on him for salvation. So you think about that. We all uh, we might have had a healthy body uh, but Jesus made us a new creature in Christ, praise God, at salvation. We were all given a new life and we all need to dedicate that life back to Jesus the one who bought it. So if we stop, stop and think about it, these women, uh, they had an incredible privilege. You know, and Mary Magdalene is, is one of the ones, uh, one, the one I want to focus on tonight as part of that group. It would have been an incredible privilege uh, to minister, to use what they had. It said uh, of their substance, they used that to minister to Jesus. And you think about, uh, again, uh, the world wants you to focus on what you're giving up. But think about this. Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. You think about that. He is the creator of this universe. And I don't know about you, uh, 
uh, they, put, they threw a new telescope and made it to where it's supposed to be. They turned it on. They're taking pictures now. And they're saying, look at how amazing this is. And I'm sitting there chuckling. Now, I love the pictures. I think they're great. But I'm thinking, they finally, it has taken them this many thousands of years to build this thing, to get it in the right place, to turn it on. And they're glad it works. They're happy that they're getting pictures back. And they're seeing what God's already seen all along. Praise God, because he created it. I'll tell you what, they may throw another telescope even further and see even further, but God still, they still can't see God. And guess what? They're still showing us little specks and they're saying that little speck is a whole galaxy out there. We know that, but we don't know anything more about it. I'm thinking uh, all you're doing is showing how vast God is, right? Anyway, that's a little aside. But he created everything. He created the stars. Uh, he, he hung them in the sky. He named them. He did all these things. This is the Jesus we're talking about. The same Jesus that could turn water into wine. The same Jesus that multiplied the loaves and fish. Uh, the same Jesus that those times where he said, cast the net, uh, and they pulled in uh, just the draught of fish. You think about that. Jesus wasn't forced to rely on their provision. Right? I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that. When he was walking on this earth, he could have gotten whatever he wanted to. But instead, he relied on them and relied on others, didn't he? He relied on the, uh, the one that owned the donkey to ride. He relied on uh, ones that had a boat to travel. He, relied, he didn't own these things. He, relied, he used people's houses and everything else. And you could think, well, uh, you know, they, he did that because he had nothing. He's God. He has everything. They were it, what a blessing to be able to be able to use what we have to minister to him uh, and to provide for Jesus Christ, the one who didn't need provision. And what when Jesus does that, when he allowed them uh, uh, to provide for him, it allowed them to get a blessing it allowed them to grow in grace and knowledge and it allowed them to grow in faith. And here's the thing. The same is true for you and I. He does not need what we have. But he's asked us to give a part of it back to him. And when we do that, when we dedicate our lives to him, when we uh, uh, give the, the money back to him and we do these different things, uh, we, it causes us to grow. It causes us to learn who Jesus is. It, 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 it helps us when we step out in faith. But then the other side of the coin can happen too. We can think, you know what? If I quit doing what I'm doing, this church would fail. And that's not true. Uh, uh, it might be hard when pe it's hard when people walk away, but it doesn't matter who walks away. Uh, God's still the head of the church. He can still send laborers. He can still call men. And uh, he just allows us to be able to, uh, to minister to him. He allows us to be able to serve him. And you think that's an awesome privilege that he would allow us to serve him. I, I can't get over it. So Mary Magdalene's among the group of women uh, that goes around as, as Jesus is going throughout every city and village preaching the gospel. Uh, and then we get to the next stop we'll go to is John uh, chapter 19. So not too far away, but John 19, uh, 25, uh, it says this. Now we, uh, we're fast forwarding. It says, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. So by this time we're at the cross. And if you remember uh, at the garden of Gethsemane leading up to the cross and, and his arrest, all the disciples forsook Jesus. That's what it says. And fled when he was arrested in the garden. And then when they led him uh, first to Annas, then to Caiaphas, the high priest's house, 
Uh, then John makes his way back. He comes back and then Peter's following afar off. But that is the last mention of the disciples that we get until we get to the cross. We don't hear them. They forsook. They fled. And then by the time we get to the cross, John is the only apostle there. And with John, we see Jesus's mother. And then we see Salome. We see another Mary and Mary Magdalene. And you think about that. Uh, remember, Mary Magdalene had she had ministered to Jesus uh, when his ministry was in full swing, when he was going around from town to town, when he had big crowds and everything else. And it's easier to follow Jesus during that time. Oh, but now he's condemned. Now the crowds are gone. The same crowd that uh, he fed uh, was then crying, crucify him. They had turned on him because they did. They wanted him to overthrow Rome and they didn't understand that that wasn't his program. Uh, that wasn't what his father's will was. Uh, but now uh, we've got uh, the ministries different. Now uh, the Jesus, the one they administered to is hanging on the cross. There's nothing they can do. He's condemned to die. Uh, the, the crowds are wagging at him. They're, uh, they're, they're yelling at him and everything. That, but she is still there. Isn't that a blessing? Mary Magdalene and some of the others, they didn't quit. And I think about that. What caused her? What, what brought her to this place? Remember before it said she was possessed with seven devils. And the number seven in the Bible is the number of completeness, completeness, isn't it? She had been completely possessed. And I think sometimes we struggle with that concept, but it's throughout the Bible. And in the Bible, when you look at people that were possessed, uh, sometimes they were insane. But more often what we saw, uh, what we see in the Bible is physical issues, right? So they've got that evil spirit that causes them to be blind or deaf or mute or, or different things, different infirmities, different problems and stuff like that. Uh, and then remember Sunday morning, we talked about uh, the man that had the legion of devils. And what blessed me in that story is it didn't matter that he had thousands of devils. Uh, all it took was for Jesus to be there and it changed everything. Jesus had more power than all the devils combined and he still does. And that's a reminder. It didn't matter how bad someone off is, uh, how bad they are. It just takes either one word or one touch from Jesus Christ and everything could be changed. And that was the same with Mary Magdalene. She was completely possessed. And then, uh, but she ran into Jesus one day uh, and he changed everything in her life. And that possession would have caused real bondage. That's what you see in the Bible. Uh, it is real. Uh, uh, it, it is not faked. Uh, they were in bondage. And they were. there is a real uh, fallen angel, a spirit that dwelled within that person. And even sometimes, like the, like the man on Sunday morning, like Legion, uh, that devil would speak through the person's lips. Uh, not in every case, but sometimes. But one thing I noticed in the Bible is no matter what it talks about, when it talks about possession, no matter what the situation, you see it as an affliction every time in the Bible. You see it as something, it's not something that they're allowing to happen. It's something that they can't control. Uh, now, here's the thing. They might have opened the door to that. Just like you could open the door to that today with sinful behavior, with superstitions, with idolatry, with witchcraft, with the occult. I believe you start dabbling in that stuff. You start opening the door and you can let them in. But once they're in, there's no control anymore. That's what you see in the Bible. They, there was no control. Whether it's Legion, whether it's Mary Magdalene, whether it's any of them, there's no control. And here's the thing. You also can't find in the Bible where any of them themselves came to Jesus. Now, he cured a whole bunch of them. 
But in every case, either somebody brought the person to Jesus, whether it was a parent or a friend or somebody else brought them to Jesus, or Jesus came to where that person was. You don't see Legion seeking out Jesus. Well, once he saw him, he came to him, but he didn't get in a boat and go to the other side and find Jesus. And that's the same thing. But you wonder today if there's some possession behind some of this vile and wicked activity in this world today. Maybe they're not cutting themselves in the tombs like that man was, but we see an awful lot of evil activity. And you know what they need? They need Jesus. That's what they need. But there she was standing at the cross watching uh, the same master that she had followed around and had, and had provided substance to and been a blessing to. She is watching him die and there's nothing that they can do. And then Jesus dies. And what's amazing is I pulled this. Actually, the very first sermon I ever preached was on Mary Magdalene in the resurrection. And here's a piece from that first sermon ever. It says this. So Jesus died on the Friday. Saturday was one of the saddest days in the history of the world. Jesus was gone. It appeared that wickedness had triumphed. All that she had left were the memories of Jesus' short ministry. And I want you to imagine waking up that day knowing that Jesus was dead and buried. Think about when you've been mourning the loss of a loved one, all that heartache and pain, all of the questions that come. And then on top of all of that, thinking because there's no more Jesus, there would be no more miracles, no more preaching, no more teaching, no more illustrations, no more parables, no more guidance, no more, uh, 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 no more chance to go to him and ask him questions. It was all gone. And then that Sunday morning, what would you do? No doubt she was physically drained, probably didn't sleep well the night before, emotionally drained from weeping and, and grieving and everything else. But that didn't stop her from getting up early before it was yet dawn, before sunrise to anoint the body of Jesus. And the reason she was doing that is because, remember, uh, because of the Passover, uh, when he died, they had to rush to get him off the cross. Remember, they were they said, you got to break their legs. You got to get him down before sundown. So they had to bury him before sundown as well well they couldn't go through all the burial things uh, in time uh, they did some uh, Nicodemus and Joseph did some of the things uh, and put him in the tomb uh, and then the women were going to come including Mary Magdalene we're going to come Sunday morning that was the first day uh, all the, the the Sabbath was done uh, the Passover stuff was done now they could come finish what they had started that's what they were going to do that morning uh, and and so they one of the things uh, the gospels talks about is as they were traveling there they were worried about how they would get the stone out of the way of the tomb right they were worried how's who's going to move it out of the way how's it going to get out of the way but as they come near and it became an uh, they could see the tomb in the distance they saw that the stone was rolled away and it was open and i tell you what that reminds me of so many times i have been so worried about something how am i going to fix this how am i going to take care of this where's it going to come from and all that worry and then by the time it gets there I realize the stone's already been rolled away and I don't have to worry about it anymore Amen. and we get to John 20 
The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they had laid him. So she gets to the tomb and I've said this many times, you dig into the resurrection story and in the morning all the way up until the evening, they are confused, they are heartbroken, uh, they are still weeping they don't know they're wondering who took the body where's the body uh, and then all of a sudden in all of this uh, there's a man uh, so Peter and John come running in they look at the tomb uh, uh, they're not sure exactly what happened they leave uh, Mary Magdalene is still there and then she sees a man that sees her weeping that's down John 20 verse 15 Jesus saith unto her woman why weepest thou whom seekest thou she supposing him to be the gardener saith unto him if thou have borne him thence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Remember, she was worried about the stone being rolled away because they weren't they weren't uh, strong enough to move the stone. Now she's saying, uh, "You tell me where the body is, and I'll literally lift it and carry it and bring it back." She couldn't have done that. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. She had no idea who he was when he was asking questions and everything else until he said her name. And as soon as she, Jesus said Mary's name, she knew it was him. Down to verse 18, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Remember who Mary Magdalene was. She started out with seven devils. Remember, completely possessed until she was touched by Jesus Christ. The evil spirits cast out, sins forgiven. She dedicated her life to serving Jesus Christ. She followed him wherever he went. She was ready to minister unto him with whatever he needed. Then when he's condemned to die, she's still there at the foot of the cross and with a few that were willing to still stick with Jesus unto the end. And you think about that. Her faith, her faithfulness, and her dedication to Jesus Christ allowed her to be the first one to see the risen Savior. Not only the first one to see the risen Savior, but the first one to tell somebody that she had seen the risen Savior. She's the first one that's really told the gospel story, uh, that he's alive, he's risen from the dead. And I think about that. You know, you think about it this time. Women were not a witness. You couldn't have used them in a witness in a court case. Women were, had a lower standard culturally and everything else. But aren't you glad that Jesus broke all the standards and he elevated her even though she was, uh, uh, you know, even though she had uh, been possessed with all those devils, she had had a dark past and everything else. We don't know all the details because we're not going to glorify the devil, but we're going to glorify Jesus Christ, right? And then he elevated her and he, uh, because she had stuck with him, he allowed her to be the first one. What a blessing to think about. What an amazing Savior. He's alive. And she was able to carry that. Mary's a whole, another example of many that it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. Jesus is able to change everything. Right? Amen. But she's also an example of we got to stay faithful yeah. because you never know at the end what we'll be able to see. Right. And I guarantee we will see things that are amazing both in this life and definitely in the next life. But isn't it a blessing to see that Jesus, he, he never ignores faith. He never ignores, 
He rewards it. And we see her faith and we see what he did. And I love how you think about that Easter uh, day that, that started out in, in, in confusion and in sadness. Uh, they find out the tomb's empty. They're not sure what happened. All the way that you get to the, the two on the road to Emmaus and they're still confused. They still don't know what's going on. And then finally Jesus appears and then finally it's all cleared up uh, that Jesus is alive. And I'm thankful we're still preaching the same thing today. He's alive today, but I'm glad that he has taken my past and he has forgiven it through his blood on the cross. And I am glad that I get an opportunity to serve him. Just like those women, we get that same opportunity to minister unto Jesus with our substance. And I'm thankful that he sees that. And he is, but, uh, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm glad that's the Jesus we're following. I'm going to ask everyone to stand tonight.